Well, let me, before I jump into the Word of God, and if you would, take your Bibles, and we'll go ahead and turn there, but I want to talk a little bit about something that's, uh, that's going to be pressing on us this coming uh, month, and that is uh, the budget, and I know that's not a great way to start the sermon, but I want to tie it in to the message today. All of us have budgets, and your church has a budget. We don't like the word budget. We like ministry action plan. This is a map of how we're going to do ministry in the, in the coming year. And the reason that I bring it up at the beginning of this message is because this message flows out of something the Lord put on my heart when I was thinking about and we were working on the ministry action plan for 2017. And when you get this, and they'll be on the tables as you leave, and they'll be here next Sunday, and, and we're going to have a, some discussion time and, uh, on the eve, in the evening services, and you'll have opportunity to take it and look at it. But what you're going to notice when you open the pages is that we've done something that's uh, a little different this year, and it's different for a reason. We have taken for some 30 years here at Westside, Every three years, we do a capital campaign. And you as a church have done 11 capital campaigns in a row. That's a lot. Now, the great thing about that is that just, you are a generous church. A generous church and a giving church. And you are sitting in buildings on property. And this room is full this morning because of your generosity and your faithfulness. And you're willing to give not just your tithes, but your offerings above and beyond your tithes. And you had just an, a, an awesome leader over those years in Gary Crawford who really helped lead you to this place and lead us to this point in time. And, but we have $3.8 million in debt. And one of the things that God put on my heart as we uh, move forward towards 2020 is, is seeking to re reach a point where we don't have any debt. And I know everybody would love that. And, uh, and, and to be able to, to, to be clear of that. But in the meanwhile, we also have upgrades and things we need to continue to do. And I hope everybody sitting here this morning realizes that this budget pertains to you. If you're enjoying the light and you're in, how many of you are enjoying the cool air this morning, you know, air conditioning and the soft seats, all of that has come through your giving and all of that will continue to be here through your giving and if we're going to reach God's vision for us, we've got to be a sacrificial and a giving people, an obedient people. And I'm going to be talking a little more about that. But what you're going to notice when you see is we've taken what normally we would pay for through a campaign in terms of our monthly house payment to reduce the debt. We've taken the part that our campaigns would normally raise, about $300,000 a year. We've taken that and we've put it in the budget. Now, I, I, what that means is uh, our budget has gone up $300,000. We've kept everything else the same and reduced. We sought to reduce the rest of it, what wouldn't be normal, and we've added that in. That is a step of faith. And what, what I felt and sensed, and your stewardship committee has sensed it, and the deacons and the leadership that I've talked to, and I've talked to many of you, have sensed, is when I thought about having to do another capital campaign, the concept of Sabbath came to my mind. Every seven years, 
God told the people of Israel to give the land what? Rest. Give the land rest. Now, they kept tithing and they kept giving and they kept doing their thing, but they just, God said, I want you to do something of radical faith. And for a year, I don't want you, I don't want you to harvest that land. I don't want you to sow and work that land. Give the land a rest. And, and in a sense, that's what God just simply put on my heart is the desire to take a year where we don't do a capital campaign, to take a year where we trust God in radical faith. What a campaign allows me to do is to go out and talk to you individually and, and we bring in someone who would, who would work, do a program for us and, and would work the land. We would work with you and try to get folks to give us commitments above and beyond the budget. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm a little bit scared. Because I'm going into a year where I have no commitments from any of you to give above and beyond the budget. And I've actually put that house payment completely in the budget, and I'm going to just simply ask. I'm not going to work the field. We're not going to hire anybody to come in. We're not going to do an extravagant capital campaign. Just going to simply trust God and ask his people to do it. So what I want you to do is as you take this is to pray. God, wouldn't it be exciting to be a part of something remarkable in 2017 where we don't work the land and yet you give us a great harvest? I'm excited about that. Have you ever been scared and excited at the same time? Then you can identify with me right now. Faith often has a little bit of that fear and trepidation in it, but it is a step of faith. And so I'll talk a little bit more about it. You can pick one of these up, but I want you to begin praying because you're going to have an opportunity to vote on this in the coming weeks. And when you vote on it, I just want you to know that uh, when we look across Christianity, we look across the churches, um, in most churches, it's a few people giving the most, and, and the more everybody contributes. If, you just, if you're not doing anything, if you could just do a little more, if everybody stepped it up. I'm already talking with Sarah. We're figuring out how are we going to step up our giving because now our budget's going to contain something. I'm going to have to give above and beyond. And if all of us contributed, all of us stepped up and said, you know, I'm going to do what those Israelites are called to do. I'm going to take a step of faith. And it's going to be, and if you don't feel a little bit of anxiousness and a little bit of, this is a little scary in your giving, you're probably not giving enough. You're probably not giving out of faith if, you, if it's not a little bit scary. So I just encourage you to be praying about that. And, and in, the, in that mode, I want to talk about the Sabbath as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the Sabbath, the, the Lord also just kind of put in my heart and my mind a series of messages because when, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, he gave them particular things to do. And when he gave them particular things to do, he set up a rhythms of how they were to live. They were to work six days, and on the seventh day, what were they supposed to do? Rest. And God took this rhythm very seriously. And when you think of the children, the children of Israel, you need to think a little bit 
about like children because in, in the New Testament, the Sabbath is not a law, it's a principle. But back in the Old Testament, it was a law. You had to do it. And if you disobeyed the Sabbath, you were in big trouble. Big trouble. In the New Testament, the principle applies. It's like when you have kids, you strap them into car seats. You don't give them a choice. You put the seatbelt on, you strap them in. But in the, when they get older and they're driving as a parent, all you can do is what? Pray. That they do it out of their own will and their own heart they put on their seatbelt, right? It goes from a law to you, hopefully, a principle of the heart. And so these are rhythms, I think, even though they're not necessarily rules, that we don't stop work at Friday. See, they stopped work Friday evening and, and went all the way to Saturday evening, and that was a rule. We, we've got a different kind of rule. We've got a different kind of responsibility. But the rhythm of rest is still important in the life of human beings. And I want to talk about that principle today just a little bit. And we'll talk about some of the rhythms of life. This is important. This idea that the people of God, human beings, need a rhythm of work and rest. A rhythm of work and play. And if you, if you lose that rhythm and you refuse to, to, to give your life a weekly Sabbath rest, you're going to run into problems. You're going to run into problems in your health. You're going to run into problems in your... Uh, relationships you'll run into problems in your work life you'll run into all sorts of issues because i believe god has put this rhythm this sabbath rest into into our life i I think i saw a great example of it how many of you saw the end or you stayed up or taped at the 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 last game of the world series now that was really exciting i was kind of rooting for the cubs i watch baseball about six times a year in the world series and I can only stay up so late. So I taped it. But what, what they basically determined, I thought this was really exciting. I went to bed when it started raining. And, one of, and they really think one of the reasons that the Cubs won is that they had a rain delay. And in the rain delay, you see, they, they had had a huge lead. And they, stopped, they started losing the lead. And it, it got tied up. I mean, it, it was a done deal. They were winning, and then they brought in Chapman. They brought in their closers, the people that are supposed to shut all the batters down, and yet they gave up this lead. And it was looking like they were losing. In fact, the momentum was going the other direction. But providentially, if you're a Cubs fan, <laughs> providentially, they'd do a rain delay. In that 20-minute rain delay, they went back into the locker room area and in, during that 20 minutes, one of their lead players uh, gave a, a, a really strong speech, really strong, stirring speech. And during that rain delay, he, he brought everybody together. He realigned them, repurposed them, refreshed their spirits with some inspirational talk. And when they came out from their rain delay, they were a different team. And, they, and they, they came back and won the game. It was thrilling. But I was struck by the fact that as I was preaching on the Sabbath and the fact that you and I need a break because the momentum can go against us. And, we, and if we, we can get out of alignment and we can get out of, out of sorts with ourselves and with our teammates and with our wives and husbands and our kids and maybe, maybe what you need 
is not a rain delay, R-A-I-N, but a rain delay, R-E-I-G-N. And that is exactly what the Sabbath rest was. It was responding to the lordship and the kingship of God in their lives. For six days, you work and you plant and you harvest. And these folks, they were living hand to mouth. I mean, to give up a day's work is not like you and I giving us giving up a day's work. Most of you have banked vacation. <laughs> Most of you tr- get two days off in the weekend. It was a huge sacrifice for these folks a huge step of radical scary faith to stop working because to stop working meant they might stop eating stop living god said trust this you need a rain delay where you let god do the work you know i was even thinking that that our week is like a seven-inning game, a seven-inning baseball game. And we get out there, and we work it, and God's given us our time and our talent, and he's working, and we're, we're throwing a game, and we're doing great, and then all of a sudden God says, I know you're doing okay. Maybe you're winning. Maybe you're losing. But when it comes to the end of the sixth inning, I'm going to call time out. You say, well, why? Why? I've got it under control. I'm filling up my my retirement. I'm doing pretty good. We're building a business. I'm becoming more prosperous. We're progressing. We're doing all of these things and say, well, I told you, there's a rhythm. And if you ignore my rhythm, you ignore this need that you have for a day of rest, then then you're going to find out eventually you'll start losing. But if you'll stop right now, let me come in and close it down for you. Let me come in as your closer. And now here's why I think God wants to be the closer of your week. Why he wants to be the closer in your life. Why he wants us to have this rhythm of rest. is because like a closer, see, the guy comes in in the final inning. He pitches the three strikeouts and he gets the glory. He, they, they stand and he's there when everybody stands and cheers. God wants to finish our work. And fulfill our lives so that we get the win, we get the good, and who gets the glory? God. So as the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they were commanded by God to have this, to have this Sabbath rest, and nobody else was doing this. And so they're living in this land, and they would work their six days, and all the Canaanites, everybody else would be working their six days, and then they'd be like Chick-fil-A, they'd take the sun, Sunday off, Right? They're like, what do you mean you're not open on Sundays? Well, God told us to be different. God told us to trust him with the seventh-day work. Okay. And what the people around Israel saw when the people of Israel were obedient with the rhythm God had established for their life, what they saw is that the people of Israel not only were producing as much as everybody else was producing in seven days, they were producing more. God was blessing the people because they were obedient to him and living in that rhythm. Let me just say this. We've lost that rhythm in America. We've lost that rhythm in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. Now I'm here every single Sunday all day long for the most part. But you know Sunday for me is not a day of rest, right? And it it may not be a day of rest for you. I have to figure out how can I 
how can I, by faith, when I want to be progressing and achieving and accomplishing in my own strength, where is it in my life that I stop and say, enough is enough, I'm going to trust you with, a, with this period of time, I'm going to trust you with this period of time, so that when people look at my life and look at, look at what's happening in the life of our church, they know God is providing. God is working on their behalf. God is doing that. So I'm finding ways in my life, I'm trying to find ways to find mental and spiritual and physical rest. And everybody needs a rain delay for realignment of your mind and your heart, repurposing of your time. And, and you'll have to think about some of the ways to do that. But when the, the people of Israel came out of Egypt, it's interesting what they came out of. Look over in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Exodus chapter 1. And I don't have a lot of time this morning, so I may have to come back to uh, more of this tonight and next week. But when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, the ten big ones, no murder, no stealing, no worshiping false idols, you know, the ten number one commandments. Number four said, remember the what? Sabbath, keep it holy. And at the end of, of giving the command in the Ten Commandments, it's interesting because he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And what's interesting is I studied the Sabbath and thought about this need for rest, this need for rhythm in life uh, that God's given us, is if we reject the rhythm, we end up right back in slavery. Enslaved to work, enslaved to fear, enslaved to all of those things that can capture our hearts. And so listen to what they came out of. This life in Egypt for the people of Israel, if you kind of look beneath it, it looks somewhat similar to our lives in America. Not necessarily as Christians, but just as human beings. It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, Joseph was a very righteous man who had worked his way into power and was godly and did great things. But eventually, as 400 years went by, people didn't know Joseph. And, and Pharaoh said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. So what can we do to keep the people of God from growing mighty? Oh, let's keep them busy. If we can't make them bad, as someone said the other day, we'll make God's people busy. If we, can't, if we can't get rid of them, we'll just make them so busy they don't multiply, so busy they don't teach their children anything. We'll make them so busy that they're just, they, they, can't, uh, they can't go to synagogue and do all that. They didn't have synagogue then, but, but, but they can do all of their worshiping and things. We'll make them so busy, they'll be enslaved. Look at verse 10. Come. Let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. 
What's your taskmaster? What is your taskmaster? Who is ultimately giving you the tasks of your life? Be honest. Look at your time. Ephesians 5 tells us we're to be wise stewards of our time. Who is the taskmaster? Who is boss? What is boss? Shrewdly, the Egyptians rose up and became taskmasters over them and afflicted them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, the more they spread about, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel do what? Work as slaves, and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. When I look across our land, when I look across the the Christian culture, one of the things that's interesting is that the average attendance, the average time that people will come to church in a month of people who, who say, yeah, I'm a regular church attender, has gone from about three out of four to more like two out of four or one out of four. Now, you would think if the average attendance in church, and, and hopefully that's, that's part of a Sabbath rest for you, And Sabbath doesn't mean you're not doing anything. It means that you're celebrating God's work for you and you're recognizing that and you're being refreshed and realigned. And I think about when you come in here, hopefully I'm like that that teammate who brought the folks together. You come in here and I just try to refresh you and with the word of God and realign you with the word of God. And whether you're having a great prosperous week or you're really struggling and you're like, thank you for getting me out of the game. Whatever reason, I hope that you come together and then you go back out refreshed and realigned and repurposed. And so hopefully this is part of your Sabbath. You can imagine the difference that is happening in the church across the land as more and more regular tenders are given less and less time to God. And if we revoke the rhythm, if we refuse the rhythm, if we reject God's rhythm of rest, it will make a difference in our life. It will bring about some problems. In fact, God warned them. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus 26, he warned them and he said, listen, here's what's going to happen. If you reject my rhythm, if you ignore the rhythm of rest, the rhythm of faith, then then I'll start sending warning signs your way. In verse 18, he says, if in spite of this, I'm warning you with prophets. I'm warning you with messages. If in spite of this, then I will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its increase. And the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then if you walk contrary to me, if you're going to march to the rhythm of of your own drummer, instead of living in the rhythm of faith, radical faith in God, in the rhythm of rest and trusting him when other people and in areas other people won't trust him. If you're not gonna walk, if you're gonna walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. Now, put yourself into a New Testament context. He's being very uh, uh, 
He's putting these laws on the people to teach them this principle. Now in our day, in our time, as New Testament believers, you need to seek to find the same rhythm. You may not have the same exact rule that you start Friday night and you end Saturday night, but you need to find space in your life. You need to create room for God to move. Here's what we do. We do the same thing with our time that we do with our money. As soon as we get a little more money, what do we do with it? As soon as we get a little more margin financially, we're like, hey, I'm making $500 more a month now. That's enough for a what? A car payment. Boom. No margin. There it went, right? We do the same thing with our time. Man, I finally got to the point where I can have some time. And then we fill it up with another taskmaster. And who gets squeezed out? The closer. God gets squeezed out. God gets squeezed out. He can be squeezed out with work. He, and our rest is squeezed out. He can get squeezed out with play. See, sometimes play is not the kind of rest we need spiritually. Where we're being encouraged and filled up and nourished and realigned. Rest can be a part of that. And recreation can be a part of that. But you'll just have to, to ask the Lord, show me how I can f- make room for you in my life to find a rain delay each and every week. Now, let's go on to point one now that I'm at the end of my sermon here. but The results, what happens if we ignore his rhythm? Well, we're going to get restless. We're going to get restless feelings. We're going, to, we're going to find we're restless in our focus. And we're going to find we're restless in our fellowship. Let me just break that down a little bit for you. I was talking about this last week, that we as a nation have become a nation of nervous wrecks. We are, we are more anxious than most people on the planet, and yet we have the most of anybody on the planet. Anxiety and stress are at an all-time high. And I believe that anxiety and that stress be- comes because we have crammed so much into our time and so much into our minds and our hearts We have so much prosperity and when we have so much desire to get ahead and desire to get more and then we finally get that new house, we get that boat, we get those things and then the possessions take our time. You know, one of the things he told the people of Israel, he said, it's going to be a progress. It's going to be progressive. When you go into the new land, you need to, first of all, be very careful you don't intermarry because if you intermarry these folks that have all of these different idols, they're going to bring their idol and they're going to sit it on, 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 the, you know, on your coffee table. And pretty soon, you're, going to, you're just going to let that idol into your life. And then you're going to think, well, maybe I could give a little bit of time and a little bit of effort towards this idol just to cover my bets, just in case that idol has a little bit. And then more idols, he said, you're, you're going to let idolatry come in. And if you let an idol come into your life, that idol will consume your time. And some of you may could back up to find your idols by just looking and seeing, what do you give all your time to? What occupies your mind the most? 
anxiety and stress and worry. We'll be restless in our feelings if we reject, ignore God's rhythm. Second of all, we'll be restless in our focus. Some of you, when you allow work to become uh, the center of your life and you won't inject into that a rhythm of rest and you won't trust God to help you get ahead and prosper you by giving him that time and that Sabbath rest. Some of you, you will notice that all you can think about, you'll be so focused on is it that play, that recreation that has my focus? Is it just that rest? Or am I always focused on all the possessions that I've acquired? And you lose focus. I'll tell you, I'm a, a little bit of a different personality, and some of you may be like me, is as I have gotten older and more stuff has gone into my brain over time, and I have more people and more folks in my life and more responsibilities, I have a hard time focusing at all. Who's in that camp? You just, my wife accuses me of having ADD sometimes. And it's not, I don't have ADD, but sometimes I've got too much. And, and I haven't said no to enough or I haven't aligned it. And, and I, I, I have the inability to focus. So when I get unable to focus, that's when I realize I've rejected and ignored proper rest, proper rhythm in my life. I've, I've, I've not put up the boundaries that I need. But here's what's really sad is it will affect our fellowship. And I, I talk with a lot of you and we, we almost mourn together often of how little time we spend with each other outside of this environment. How often we just wish we could fellowship, sit on a porch, have a cup of coffee. I thought it would be a little better coming from Atlanta to Gainesville. It's not. We're just as full here as anywhere, and our fellowship becomes shallow, doesn't it, if we can't spend any time together. And then if you're really, all you think about is, is getting ahead, your, your fellowship can, can become uh, almost selfish, where you will only have time to fellowship with those who are good for you, who, who will do you well in life. And you don't have time to fellowship with those who need you. And then it affects our future. Ultimately, you might can make it for a few years or a few decades, but eventually you will run out of gas. Eventually, it is going to catch up for you just like it did for the people of Israel. Let me give you a few reasons why we do this. And then we'll just ask the Lord to help us find rest, to be obedient to his rest. Let me give you just a few reasons why we do this. And here's, here's the reason. It's the same thing I talked about when I was referring to the budget. Is a lot of times the reason we won't say no to particular recreation, we, we won't say no to something else that's gonna come into our life. We won't say no to that thing that's gonna take us out of church every single Sunday. One of the reasons we don't do that is we're afraid. We fear. We fear we, we're, we're going to miss out on something. 
It is remarkable how I've even noticed that over the, the time I've been in ministry is, is people won't sign up for things until the very last second. And I am convinced that the reason we do this, and I've, I've seen it in my life sometimes, is we don't want to commit because we'll be afraid we might miss another opportunity. We're afraid something else might come up. Any amens to that? Could that be a possibility? We need to look at our hearts. And so we're afraid of missing out. We're afraid we won't make progress at work. We're afraid that we, that, that we won't reach our full potential. And God is saying, here's the way I've designed it. If you will, you do your thing six days and then you give me that rest, I'm going to work for you. You see, God isn't wanting us to rest so that we can just pay all attention to him and just and give him all this kind of stuff. He's saying, no, 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 here's the deal. I, we, we made the Sabbath for you just to give you rest and we'll work on your behalf. Trust him. You're not going to miss anything. Some of it's pride. Notice that uh, he, he warned Israel, he said, if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you sevenfold of your sins and I will break the pride of your what? Your power. Is as we progress and become prosperous and we, and we get all this stuff in, in our lives and we begin to begin to think it's us winning all these baseball games. It's, it's me that got this big contract. It's me. He said, no, no, I let it go. But eventually, you're going to break. God said, watch your pride. And you can skip the rhythm, and you can get way ahead. But eventually, God said, I will break the pride of your power. And the third reason we do it is just simply a lack of faith. We just don't believe We just don't believe God will, if we give him that Sabbath day, I might miss this and I might not, I got to do it. I've known some people in my life that have, have sacrificed big paying jobs for smaller paying jobs for the sake of time. And I haven't met any of them that said, man, I miss being as busy and as miserable as I was. Maybe that's the choice you got to make. Trust God with your time, with that rhythm. Listen to what he says in Hebrews. Hebrews 3 says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So what's the moral of the story today? What is the, the big point of this message 
I'm going to be encouraging us this month in this series of rhythm is that the rhythm of life, the rhythm for the people of God requires faith. But if we will choose to use our time the way God wants us to use our time and use our finances and our talents the way God wants us to do it, if we will march to his drum beat, it's going to take radical faith, but you are going to see, you will see, and I believe this, radical results. You will see that God is faithful. Give him the time because when you give him the time, he gives you what you need for life and for peace. Don't trade your peace for progress. Don't trade your rest for prosperity. It's not worth it.